Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss the second half of the federal government's spring 2020 regulatory agenda as it pertains to the precision machining industry. This will be the Department of Labor and OSHA regulations. That's right, we're back. We finished up with the NLRB and the EPA proposals on the current 2020 regulatory agenda in part one. So let's examine the Department of Labor and OSHA ones. How many Department of Labor and OSHA items are on your list? I'm afraid to ask. Looks like seven. A couple of administrative ones and some with real high potential for impacting our manufacturing shops. Let's start on the admin ones. Okay, the fiduciary rule and prohibited transaction exemptions from June 2020. The Department of Labor in 1975, are we seeing a pattern, issued a regulation defining who is a fiduciary under the Employment Retirement Income Security Act, ERISA, as a result of giving investment advice for a fee or other compensation. In April of 2016, the department replaced the 1975 regulation with a new regulatory definition. Back in the day, PMPA and some of our members actually went to Washington to comment on this to no avail. This was thrown out in a lawsuit, Chamber of Commerce versus Department of Labor. I won't give you the rest of the, the link. The agency is now looking at its regulatory options in light of the Fifth Circuit Court's opinion, throwing out their adjustment. So this is of interest to PMPA, human resources, benefits, and of course, anyone with monies in any retirement plans under ERISA. <laughs> you got it. That's easy for you to say. I got stuck in my throat. Okay, so what's the other one? The Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA. The department is looking for comments so that it can A, better protect and suit the needs of workers, and B, reduce administrative and compliance burdens on employers. It looks like a major emphasis on this particular one has to do with military family leave entitlements. Leave entitlements? That doesn't sound medical. Eligible employees may take Family Medical Leave Act leave for specified reasons related to certain military deployments of their family members. Additionally, they may take up to 26 weeks of FMLA leave in a single 12-month period to care for a covered service member with a serious injury or illness. This is clearly an important issue, and we want to be sure that we have clarity on what is expected of our shops. We will likely not have any comments, but we want our PMPA member shops to be the first to know when a major change that can affect their existing policies occurs. Mechanical power presses? I can see you getting fired up. Look at you, you're practically dancing in your chair. You noticed. The current mechanical power press rule is over 40 years old. It is so old yes. that it doesn't even cover hydraulic or pneumatic power presses. 
Hello, Fred Flintstone. I can see that dinosaur steak flipping over the Flintstones car. Yes, you can. Actually, they published a proposal back in 2007 that suggests how they could update this standard. Wait, in 2007 they published a document to suggest how to update the standard? You said 2007? I've been telling you, Carly, government affairs is a long game. It's only been 13 years. That's three different administrations. <laughs> it is indeed. So we will be paying very close attention to this. What if the rewrite outlaws our existing technologies or the processes that we are currently operating? The steel mill that I worked at while I was putting myself through university got shut down by the EPA in 1980. Apparently it's difficult to put best available technology on, as was the case at my mill, 19th century steam technology. Miles, our members aren't using steam engines. No, but like I said, the existing rule didn't even, still doesn't, address hydraulics or pneumatics. Who knows what they will say is required? Who knows if what they prescribe is reasonable given the existing fleet of technology that's already deployed in our shops? Forty years. 2007. I just can't... Moving on. That's just unbelievable. Okay, talk to us about exposure to beryllium. In response to stakeholder feedback and to resolve pending litigation... And to resolve pending litigation? That's how it works. Sometimes groups go to court to force an agency to do what the group wants rather than accept the agency's regulatory approach. So... OSHA promulgated a direct final rule to clarify aspects of the general industry standard in May 2018 and proposed additional revisions to certain provisions in December of 18. The revisions OSHA proposed are generally designed to clarify the standard in response to stakeholder questions or to simplify compliance while in all cases maintaining a very high degree of protection from the adverse health effects of beryllium exposure. The agency is currently reviewing comments received in response to the proposal to finalize this rulemaking. So help me out, how does that affect our shops? Do we machine a lot of beryllium? Some of the most interesting parts that our precision machining shops make are electrical contacts and parts for cell phones and other electronics out of beryllium copper some surgical applications too. So yes, this could impact maybe five to 10% of our listeners' shops. <laughs> now it's my turn to say it's always something. Truth. <laughs> Powered industrial trucks. I have seen these in our shops with my own eyes. They move materials, chips. It's about the chips and the finished parts. Yes. Powered industrial trucks are important to the productivity in our shops. Imagine if everything that we brought in or shipped out had to be in human-scale packaging. Yikes, we'd be hiring mules. Fork trucks, tractors, lift trucks, motorized hand trucks. These are ubiquitous in our shops. Mules can't do it. The current OSHA standard still relies on ANSI standards from 1969. 1969? 1969. I was a junior in high school. 
Cashmere off Led Zeppelin's sixth album was playing on the radio. I was born in 1969. Sorry about that. This stuff, it's all connected. Anyway, OSHA issued a request for information, an RFI in OSHA speak, on March 11, 2019, to determine if changes need to be made to locations of use, maintenance, training, and operations of powered industrial trucks. But wait, there's more. On a separate track, OSHA is also trying to issue another proposal for updating the consensus standard incorporated for design and construction of powered industrial trucks. The Industrial Truck Association has been encouraging OSHA to update and expand the OSHA standard to account for the substantial revisions to ANSI standards on powered industrial trucks over the last 45 years. Hmm, so apparently they think there might have been some changes in technology and standards in industrial trucks over the past 45 years. Yep, the standard currently covers 11 types of trucks and there are now 19. In addition, the standard itself incorporates an out-of-date consensus standard. OSHA will begin the process to develop a proposed rule updating the consensus standard referenced from the 1969 version of the American National Standard B56.1 to the 2016 version. We'll be staying on top of this. Lockout tagout is another one I just know you'll think is important. We commented on this before. If the revision to lockout tagout eliminates what is known as the minor servicing exemption or MSE, sometimes it's called the Kershaw exemption. If a task is routine, repetitive, and integral to the performance of the operation, if that exception is lost, our shops could absolutely become non-competitive. How could this change make our shops non-competitive? I did the math for our last set of comments on lockout tagout just last year. Basically, a 25-person shop doing two setups per machine per week two machines per shop employee, six adjustments per machine per hour, and a three-minute lockout tagout could lose up to 30% of their revenue if the minor servicing exemption is lost and a mandatory three-minute lockout is required. Those six minor adjustments every hour become 18 minutes of lost lockout tagout time every hour. Oh, that's just for a smaller shop. Yes, and that happens to be the worst case. A shop double that size loses, by my calculations, 25% of their anticipated revenue due to the additional non-productive hours required to do a formal lockout tagout instead of using the current minor servicing exemption. I have the calculation that I submitted to OSHA last time. If anyone wants it, it will be in the show notes. Drug testing and safety incentives. This one is also important to our member shops, Carly. I actually had several discussions with Dr. David Michaels about this when he was director at OSHA on this. He was director under President Obama. Yes, PMPA was fully engaged on these issues during that administration. 
the policy that the prior administration held, that is the Obama administration, was that safety incentives, what I call positive reinforcement of employees' good behavior, was somehow a means to discourage employees from reporting accidents or injuries. What? So a pizza party for safety performance would dissuade someone from reporting? Well, that was their theory. No one wanted to be that guy that cost their buddies on the crew their pizza. That was what they were thinking. Uh, so now what's being proposed? OSHA clarified, through a memorandum to the field, the agency's position that the applicable chapter, 29 CFR 1904-35B1, Roman numeral 4, does not prohibit post-incident drug testing or safety incentive programs. The agency would propose memorializing OSHA's position on these issues through changes to that law related to implementation of post-incident drug testing and safety incentive programs. Wait a minute, what about the drug testing part? Well, they also took a position that if you did post-incident drug testing, that would or could or might dissuade a worker from exercising the worker's rights to report an injury as it might subject them to consequences. We're not even going there. It's the long game, Carly. It's the long game. And PMPA has been working actively to protect our member shops and employees from regulatory overreach and actions that could impact their competitiveness and sustainability. We've just shared with you 13 issues that are potentially high impact on the current federal government regulatory agenda. We will continue to work closely with our Washington team, the Franklin Partnership, to bring sense and understanding to this process. Thanks for joining us. For more information on this topic, please download our show notes. For info on EPA and NLRB pending agenda items, check out our prior podcast. For additional information, go to pmpa.org. Yes, thank you for joining us. Please rate and review our podcast. And if you want to make your life a little easier, and who doesn't want to make their life a little easier, you can subscribe to our podcast so you never miss one. Speaking of making your life easier, if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together.